0: Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues a series entitled Jailbreak. In this message,
1: Brandon explains how we can battle fear and insecurity. He encourages us that we must always remember that God is sufficient, and the answer to all of our fears is held in that truth.
0: Morning. How's everybody doing? Looks like... Looks like we got a few more people here than we did last week. That's cool. That's good. Good deal. Man, we are so excited to have the students back. Let's give them a hand. Let's welcome them back. We... Uh, it's so cool because every every uh, year we get, twice a year, we get this huge shot of momentum that just walks through the door and that's, in, that's called college students and so it's so cool to have you guys here and I uh, just know we're here, if you're a freshman, you're coming in or maybe you, you've just started coming to this church, this is your first time, just know we're here for you. Um, one of the things we did over the summer that we're really excited about and look forward to seeing how God uses it is we actually brought on someone to be our college pastor. I want to introduce him to you real quick, he's going to come up, but, but we want to... Uh, to introduce to you Billy Shivers, many of you know him. Billy is uh, he's kind of like kind of like Stephen in the Bible. He has the face of an angel, and so I don't I don't know if I go that far, but he he's a good guy. Listen, if you're interested in in discipleship, you want to further your walk with Jesus. We believe very strongly in small groups and in one-on-one discipleship. Um, and, and we believe that that is the, the place that we grow the most. And so if you're a college student and, and you want to know more about discipleship, find Billy after the service. He'll be out by our next steps table. He can answer any questions you have. He can get you plugged into the Bible study that they do on Tuesday nights. It's at eight o'clock at 180 fitness. Um, starting this Tuesday. That's where it'll be held. So go check that out. It's an awesome time. And they've had like 50 college students through the summer huddling up in one little Apartment. It's like underground church. It's been really cool. But um but you'll want to go check that out and, and then he'll help you get plugged into a small group and um it'll be awesome. So I just want you to see his face and put, put a, a name with a face and then if you need anything, talk to Billy, he's a man. So um we will uh we'll get you hooked up there. We're gonna continue in a series. If you're coming back as a college student, you're walking into somewhat the, the, the sort of middle beginning of, uh, of a series called Jailbreak, and uh, about three Sundays ago, I guess it was, um, I, I did a message entitled, He Ain't Right, and that he was me, right, and we talked about five things that I really, really struggle with, and uh, we're going through the, these next few weeks breaking those things down, things like... Um, uh, mediocrity and settling in complacency, things like uh, fear and insecurity, which we're talking about today. I know none of you deal with that, so it probably won't be applicable to your life, but but we're going to talk about fear and insecurity today. We're going to talk about uh, next week's selfishness and, and materialism, things like that. We're going to talk about um, bitterness and unforgiveness. We're going to talk about condemnation. We're going to be hitting all of these things and looking at what Jesus taught us and what the Bible teaches us about each of those topics. So, um, you want to check that. It's going to be awesome. We're just looking forward to it. We're going to jump into, uh, this message today on fear and insecurity out of second Corinthians beginning in in chapter 12, verse one. What I'd like to do is, is read, uh, one through 10, and then we're going to jump in and, uh, Believing that God is going to do some awesome things today. I've I really been praying all week and really just begging God that God would bring some people to him for the first time. That today we would see people put their trust in Jesus. For the first time and that for many of us who, who are walking under this weight and this yoke of fear and insecurity that we would break free from that and realize that it is a day-by-day thing but we can walk free from insecurity and from, and, and from, from fear and we can walk in faith and assurance in who God is and so be praying that with me as we go through these scriptures as we read uh, the word of God and as we listen to the message I pray that God will set us free and bring him and draw us closer to him 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 1. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, I must go on boasting. And he's not wanting to boast, but they're questioning who he is. So, so they, he, he says, I must go on boasting because you're questioning who I am. He says, although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was called up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power or my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. God, we just ask you right now to do an incredible work in our hearts, Lord. We, we pray that, that today, right now, we would hear the truth of who you are. We would hear the truth of, of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We would hear the truth of the, the riches of his grace. And God, that we would walk in that. We would realize, God, how good you are, how, how sovereign you are, how faithful you are. And God, even when we can't understand you, you are in control and you are a good God. God, you are faithful to do everything you promise. So Lord, have your way right now. I'm thankful that you are here. I'm thankful that right now people's hearts are being opened to your word. Just bless this time, Lord, as we surrender it to you. God, may may we trust in you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Fear is something I probably have struggled with my whole life. Um, you know, as a child, I remember I was probably one that was not very adventurous. I probably did not do things that that um, a lot of kids would do because I was either scared I would get in trouble or scared I'd get hurt. But probably probably when I was 15 is when fear really started taking over my life, um, probably controlled my life to an extent. I, I found out when I was 15 that I had Hodgkin's disease, and... Um, I started dealing with that I, I made it through the treatments and i and i got you know i was cured from that but the fear didn't leave after after i found out i was i was cured from cancer um i you know i struggle with anxiety and fear of what ifs. what if it came back what if um you know the tests were wrong you know all those what if questions um you know god gave me the strength that to get through the day-to-day things, the, the day-to-day, um, medicine, I'd say, the treatments, the sickness, that kind of thing. But it was the, the, all, always the stuff I couldn't control. You know, I could control if I took the medicine or I didn't, but the, I couldn't control if it came back. Um, it got so bad that I, I was even scared to, you know, get in the car and go to Savannah. It was, it really just controlled my life. And, um, I probably struggled with that through, through the, my high school and through college. And, um, you know, I lived life, and I, and I hid it. I mean, I, there was times where, you know, people on the outside probably didn't know that I was struggling with it. But my family knew. Um, the people closest to me did know because I, I, I couldn't... When I was still, I couldn't think about anything else. Um, I couldn't... I couldn't live life like a normal teenager would um, inside, on the outside, like I said, it was that I was living life. Um, you know, it wasn't until actually I have it I have it written in my Bible. It's the year it was two thousand and four of September. I had gotten involved with a or it was actually the first day of a Bible study that I was that I was gonna begin going to and um, it ended up it was just me and the other girl, the other lady that was gonna teach the Bible study and we happened to be the only two that showed up that day. And I think that was in God's plan because we just, we didn't do anything besides just kind of talk about um, our lives and talk about maybe a little bit about our testimonies. And But um, it was then that all she did at the end before we left, she just prayed and said, you know, God, just help her, help her deal with this fear. And it was the weirdest feeling because I did feel like an elephant was kind of lifted off my shoulders. I felt this relief of fear at that moment. And I felt like I had been delivered from fear Um, at that time, if if you want to say delivered from fear. um, I felt like, you know, God gave me a scripture. He told me, you know, that He he showed me the scripture that He will never leave me nor forsake me. And I believe that, and, and I still do believe that. But is the fear gone? Is the anxiety gone? No, I struggle with it. You know, this week has probably been one of the hardest weeks that I've dealt with fear in a long, long time. Um, you know, it it keeps, it keeps coming up. It, I keep having to deal with it. So I feel like it's a daily process for me. It's a daily walk. Just like we choose to, to get up and serve God or we choose to get up and um, you know even go to work, I think it's a choice for me to have to get up and decide how I'm going to handle this. Am I going to let fear control my life? Am I going to let fear and anxiety and just the worries um, determine my moods? And a lot of times they do. I mean, a lot of times I, I can't, I don't show joy. I don't, um, you know, it's hard for me to to deal with life because of the fear. But um, I know that, I know that God is with me. He's, you know, one of the things that He's taught me is, He's given me, I call them my little, just my, my scriptures. And my whole front of my Bible is, the scriptures of what God's promises and, and given me, you know, from just from that first one He gave me, God will never leave me nor forsake me. To you know, He'll always, you know, be with me. And um, there's one in Genesis, um, you know, He said, "Therefore, do not be afraid. I'll provide for you and your little ones." Um, and He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know, at the time that I was I was dealing some with fears with my kids, um, you know, feeling can't remember exactly what was going on with one of them i think one of them was sick and of course because of my history that's always a huge concern for me and he gave me that scripture and you know how, how are there's so many scriptures in the bible but this one spoke directly to me about my babies about my kids and that he would always be with be with us and it said do not be afraid so you know god's god's given me tools i guess to use to face the fears um, so have i conquered fear um no, you know, like I said, this, is a, this has probably been a, just a very difficult week for me with struggling with this. Um, he's given me the strength I need. He's, you know, his, his grace, his love, his, his mercy is all right there for me. You know, he died on the cross for all these things, and I know that in my heart, and sometimes it's just hard to get to my head, but he, he's there for me all the time. Like I said, he'll never leave me nor forsake me, and I just have to walk that on a daily basis with him.
0: Well, for those of you, for those of you who don't know, that is my wife, Susan. So I did pretty good, didn't I? I did pretty good. Yeah, I'm not as dumb as some of y'all think I am. I, I did good, um, and uh, you know, and I've watched her struggle with this this thing of fear and, and just worrying about what ha- what's going to happen tomorrow. What if something happens to one of our children? What if something happens to me? What if something happens to, you know, what if, what if, what if? And I've watched her struggle with that. And, and I figured, you know, since I'm having to air out all my dirty laundry over the next five weeks, I figured, like, I might as well make her do it too. So we talked her into doing a video. But but, it, but she's struggled with this, and I've struggled with this. And listen, I, I would dare say this. If you If you have... A fear or an insecurity in your life? Just put your hand up in there. If you, seriously, I mean, this is, we can be honest here, right? We all do. We all do. And, and there's, there's no doubt about it that, that I struggle with that as well. Susan struggles with that. She struggles with letting go of the control. She struggles with the what ifs of tomorrow. I struggle with it. I mean, I deal with the insecurities of what do other people think of me. I mean, fear of man robs us from so much, does it not? What other people think, what other people are are saying. I mean, my gosh, every week, every almost every day it seems like I hear something else that I did or said that I didn't do or say. I'm like, really? It's amazing how other people can know more about you than you know about yourself. It blows me away. But I, but I deal with this fear of man, this insecurity of what other people think about me. I remember, I think I've told you about how sometimes I would walk through the lunchroom as a, as a child and I would feel like everybody was looking at me, so insecure, like I was going to do something and everybody was going to laugh. Or, you know, and we all have those things. We all wonder, what do our friends think? What do people at work think? We all worry about something like that. We all struggle with things like, what about my health? You know, especially if you've ever been through an illness or a sickness, you wonder, what about, what if that comes back? Some of you've been through things with your family and you wonder, what if it happens again? What if he cheats again? What if she what if she cheats again? What what if it happens again? What if my child turns back to drugs again? What if? And we all have these thoughts of what if and the thing that I have found and the thing that I have have realized in my life is that every fear starts with what if. It all starts with what if. What if blank? What's the thing that keeps you up at night? What is, what's the what if that, that when you're, you get still, as Susan said, and, and, and you get quiet, it's that one thing that comes back, or maybe there's five things, maybe there's ten things, maybe it's your job, maybe it's the economy. What is it that causes you to go, what if? Because that's the source of our fears when we begin to wonder, what if? And I believe this today, there are many people in here, Including myself at times when the we are haunted by what if? We are absolutely haunted by what if. But this is what I believe. I believe the answer that is found in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, specifically in verse nine. Remember Paul's going through this whole thing that's kind of confusing. He's like, I don't want to boast, but I'm gonna boast, and I don't know about this, but God knows, and I'm just like, Okay, get to the point, Paul. What are you saying? And finally in verse nine, he he says this. He says that that he he, he prayed three times, God, take this thing away from me. Whatever the thorn is, everybody speculates what the thorn is, but listen, whatever it was, he prayed three times, God, take it away. And the answer Jesus gave him was my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength or my power is made perfect in weakness. I believe that the answer to every what if is my grace is sufficient for you. So that no matter what we're facing, no matter whether we're we're waiting on a what-if to come, no matter if we're walking through a what-if or no matter if we're coming out of a what-if and wondering if it's going to turn back, the thing that we've got to realize is no matter what, his grace is sufficient. He is good. He is sovereign and he's faithful. And we're going to look at these things out of this scripture, out of this particular scripture. I'm going to give you a test today. Since you're coming back to school, a lot of you, go ahead and get your first test. But this is a good test. This test is actually applicable to your life. Like most of the tests I took in high school and college never applied to anything. I've never been sitting at the office thinking, now, all right, if I leave headed north towards my house at 40 miles an hour, and Susan leaves 20 minutes late from our house at 55 miles per hour, and she stops to spank one of our children... What time will we meet up? I, I've never done that. It was, just wasn't applicable, right? I mean, you know, you never use those kind of things. And so here, here's the deal, though, today. The test we're going to look at today is applicable. And I'm even going to go ahead and give you the answers. See, no teacher this semester is going to give you the answers to the test. I'm going to give you the answers. And the answers are yes, 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 no. And if we can answer these questions in our life, every day of our life, yes, 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 no then we can walk in freedom from fear and insecurity every day. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that we serve a God big enough, He can deliver us and help us walk through fear and insecurity every day of our life? My prayer is today that we would realize that, that it would sink into our hearts, deep into our hearts, and we would walk in these questions, the answers to these questions every day of our life. The first one I want to tell you comes out of the very first part of 2 Corinthians 12.9. He says, my grace. And the first question I want to ask you is this, is God good? Is God good? Listen, come on. Is God good? And the answer is yes. See, y'all are smart. You know the answers. That's awesome. And, and God is good. God is good. I remember working as a, as a physical therapy technician. It was like, you know, they give you these titles, but it was really just a fancy name for, like, do whatever we tell you to do kind of thing. And I was, I was thinking I was going to be a physical therapist, um, ended up being in construction. I have no idea how that swing happened. But, but I ended up working with a physical therapy, therapist to get um, hours. And there was this lady one time who came in, an elderly lady, and she had something wrong. I think it was with her shoulder or something like that. Well, they assigned me to help her get ready and do her exercises and all this stuff. And I was like, cool, I love old people, so I'm going to go and, and I'm going to help this lady. Well, as I started walking up, I kind of started realizing this was going to be a tougher challenge than what I thought. And the first way I realized it was like when she kind of like looked at me and turned her head to the side and kind of like stuck out her chin and kind of looked at me like that, you know, kind of like this looked like, I, I will kill you. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, okay. So I go and I'm like, okay, ma'am, this is what we're gonna do. She's like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, well, I'm gonna have a hard time helping you get better if you're not gonna do it. And, and, and then she's everything I would say, ma'am, we need to put this 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 heat pad on your your arm. And she said, No. I'm like, ma'am, please, let, let's, let's do this. And she's like, No, I'm not doing what you say. I'm like, oh my, and it's just getting worse and worse. And and finally, I'm I'm, I'm almost losing it, right? And then she starts crying. And I'm like, now I'm going to be the guy who made the old lady cry at physical therapy. And and finally, I said, ma'am, all I'm trying to do is help you. I'm here to help you. I want to help you get better. And she looked at me and she goes, I don't know if you are or not. And the problem I realized was she didn't trust me. She she was really in her mind wondering, what is he really going to do to help me? How can this college kid help me? And she was questioning whether or not I was really going to be any good for her. And the thing I realized is that one of the things we struggle with the most in life is that we really a lot of times question the goodness of God. And sometimes it's not something that we do consciously, but subconsciously we begin to doubt whether God's intentions are best for us. And the thing we've got to continually answer in our life is that God is good. But Satan's weapon, the way he loves to come against us is to make us to begin to think that God is not good. That, that God's, God's really, he really doesn't have our best in mind. Think about all the way back to the garden. What did he do with Adam and Eve? He said, he really told you that you're going to die. He, you're not going to die. Eat the fruit. Eat it. You're really not going to die. He just doesn't want you to become like him. You begin to question God's goodness. They begin to doubt whether or not he had their best in mind. They ate the fruit. And we know that they did die. They're not here. Anybody seen Adam and Eve lately? No. They're dead. They died. They died spiritually. They were separated from the Father. How many sins did it take to separate Adam and Eve from the Father? How many sins does it take to separate us from the Father? One. But see, here's the awesome thing. Even in light of the fall of Adam and Eve, even in uh, in light of the fall that you and I have had in our life where we have sinned and messed up, and by the way, if you think you haven't, you have, and you can never go to Sunday school or church enough to make up for all the things you've done wrong. Even in light of the fall, even in light of the worst things in history that we could possibly imagine, the world wars, the Holocaust, all of these things, there is one thing that shines brighter and stands taller and speaks of God's goodness. And that's the cross. It is the cross. And see, here's the deal that I realized, is that the cross is the the pinnacle of history that stands higher than all of man's calamity. It is the pinnacle of history that no matter what's going on, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what's happened to your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your child, the way we know that God is good is we look back to the cross. Romans 5, 8 tells us that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And we know that God is good because he gave his son for us. That in the midst of everything that goes on, when we look to the cross, we see very clearly the goodness of God. We know that God is good. We know. And so the first thing we've got to come to terms with is that we've got to begin to understand that God is good. And that no matter what we see, listen, it is easy for us to look around, around us right now. It's easy for us to look around in the world around us. And for us to begin to go, is God good? And here's the thing we do. We look at the cross and we say, yes, because he gave his son. Because you know the one sin, that one thing that separated us from God, that first thing that we committed that that was against God and against his will for our life, his heart for our life, it separated us from him. But then he sent his son so that we could be reconciled back to him. That's a good God. So the first thing we've got to answer, is God good? Yes. How do I know? The cross, the cross, it stands there. It is hired. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. And listen, I know this because I, I watched some of you as you, as you came in. I know there are some people here who are who were in the, in the valley right now. You're in the valley right now. You can see it in your face. You are in the valley right now. And here's the thing that I would tell you, look up, look up because there is no place that, that you can go that, that, that the cross is out of sight. Look up to the cross. It is there. Not like literally there, but you know what I'm saying. Look up to the cross. It is there. Why can separate us from his love? Nothing. You're walking in despair. You're walking in the valley. You're walking in doubt. You're walking in fear. You're walking in insecurity and you're wondering, is God good? Could he love me? Look up to the cross where his love was poured out for us. And here's the thing. God will move any mountain. We sing it. His, His love is mighty to save. His love is mighty to save. And if we'll realize the goodness and we'll look up to the cross and we'll call on His name and we'll begin to believe in Him and trust in Him for our life, our salvation, for everything and surrender it all to Him, He's here. You haven't gotten so far that God can't reach you. You haven't done anything so bad that God's goodness falls short to get to you. He's God! Right? Right? Question number two, Everybody, have y'all forgot the answer yet? Some of y'all didn't study too hard. Have y'all forgotten the answer to number two? No, maybe not. Question question number two, is God sovereign? Is God sovereign? Yes. God is sovereign. Listen to this verse again. It says, my grace is what? Sufficient. My grace is sufficient. He's completely in control. There's nothing that God has ever been out of control with. And what's cool is if every fear starts with what if, isn't it awesome to know that we have a God who's never wondered what if? Isn't that awesome? Like God's never laid awake at night wondering like what's going to happen tomorrow. Never. He's never never wondered like I don't know what's going to go on in their life tomorrow. I don't know if I can handle it. No. God is in complete control. Every what if. It, listen, he knows. And here's the awesome thing. The Bible tells us that we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way that we have. And yes, without sin. So here's the awesome thing. Whatever you're walking through, he's already experienced. He knows. Whatever what if you're facing, he faced it. Can you imagine being on your knees and being in such stress that you literally begin to sweat drops of blood as Jesus did before he went to the cross? So anxious, so, so, so not wanting to go through what was before him. But you know why he went through it? You. You. Every person sitting in here in this, this room, Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him and the joy was being reconciled to you. He's sovereign. He's in complete control. He knew from, from, from the foundations of earth before the foundations of earth that he was going to have to come and die for you and I. He knew. and Yet he did it anyway. And see, here's the thing. If we can make the connection between a good God and a sovereign God and we can put those two together, tell me, what do you have to worry about tomorrow? If a good, sovereign God is in control, what are you worried about? If a God who has your best in mind is in control and we know that he is good, why are we staying up at night worried? Why are we worrying about what other people think? If a good sovereign God is in control of your life and he loves you, it doesn't matter. God is in control. And aren't you glad like like He's in control and not us? Because you realize we're spinning like over a thousand miles an hour right now. And the earth is rotating around the sun. At over 67,000 miles an hour. Anybody want to drive that? I don't. And here's the most amazing thing. Is that God created that. He spun it on his finger. He gave it a little push to get it going. And he's kept it going all since creation began. That's the God that's in control. And when we begin to realize that he's good. And if we begin to doubt it. We look to the cross. And we begin to realize that he's sovereign and we begin to trust Him, knowing God's got our best in mind, then we can find faith and assurance in Christ that replaces fear and insecurity. So the second question of, is God sovereign? Is Yes, is He in control? Yes, He's in control. Yes, He's in control. He's in control of everything. In fact, I believe this. I believe one of the greatest delusions we have ever bought into is that we're in control. You ever seen a great illusion? I was watching this week where um, David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. And they were so amazed. Everybody was there, it was like, if I'd seen it on television, I'd doubt it. But now I know it's real. I was like, really? Really? And they interviewed this one woman. She's like, I've never seen the Statue of Liberty disappear before. I was like, I don't doubt that. You know, it's like riding down the. It's probably never happened before. But, but you know, it was an illusion. A huge illusion. And for us to think that we're in control, it's a huge illusion. We serve a God who's in control. A God who is sovereign. A God who, who knows everything. He knows the number of hairs on our head. And the best news of all is that He is good. He is a good God who is sovereign. And He proved His goodness through the death of His Son, on a cross, who, by the way, took every sin you've committed upon his own body, was beaten, was killed, suffered the wrath of God so that you would not have to. That is a good and awesome God who is in complete control. Right now. You may think, listen, you may think that your life is spinning out of control. No. No. Surrender to him. Trust him. Let him have it. Listen, you're not in control anyway. Does it not make sense to surrender to him? To let him have it? To finally put it down? To allow him to lift the weight off our shoulders? We're not in control anyway. What's the point in fighting it? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. If you're weary and you're heavy laden, come to him. The third question. Is God faithful? Is God faithful? Yeah. you aren't as enthusiastic. Come on, I'll do better than that. Is God faithful? Yeah. Yeah, God's faithful. God is incredibly faithful. You know, it says right here in 2 Corinthians 9, his grace is sufficient for you. He says, my power. Other translations say my strength. It says it's made perfect in weakness. His power, his strength is made perfect. You know, his power, his strength never fails. You know, it never fails. The other day I was at the gym and and I was working out with, with three other people and they're doing some kind of crazy cardio thing, which by the way is crazy. And so I decided I would do that. And and, and they did this thing called the weight push, the weight push. And I've never done this before, but we took a 45 and we laid it down flat on the carpet. And then we got down like in a bear crawl type stance and we pushed the 45. I guess it was about 15, 20 miles down the the carpet. I don't know for sure, but it was a long ways. And we pushed it down the carpet. We turned around and came back. We pushed it down again, turned around and came back. And, and you know, before we started, I was watching some of them go and I was like, pfft. And they are making too much out of this. I know it's probably not easy, but it can't be that bad. And so I'm thinking, I'll get down there and start pushing it. And I don't know, but if you're over 30, 35 like I am, and you're, you, you, know, you have had this experience where your body thinks it can do a lot more than it actually can do now, you think that you can still do the things that you used to do. And, and so I'm thinking, this is not going to be bad. I can do this. And so I just start out running with this thing. I'm like, you know, taking off, just going. And my body's like, hey, fat boy. <coughs> That ain't happening. And I got down and about halfway back and I was like, I am in trouble. And, and, and you know, and, and my, my strength, it started failing. My legs, they started burning. I started giving out. My chest was burning, trying to just hold myself up on the weight. I finally got to the end. And I just kind of stretched out to push it across and just laid it on the floor. I was like, my, my heart is literally going to blow out of my chest. And my strength had failed. My legs were burning, man. I was, I, was, I was beaten down. And you know the awesome thing about God is he never fails. He never quits. His strength never runs dry. You know, he created everything we see and everything we can't even see. He created all of that in six days. And the Bible says he rested. You know why he rested? He was finished. He didn't rest because he was tired. It wasn't like he got to six o'clock on Saturday and was like, well, I better knock off till Monday. I'm really worn out. No, he was finished. You know, when Jesus was on the cross and he's breathing his last breath and you know what he yelled yelled out? He said, it is finished. You know why he yelled that out? In the Greek, it actually means it is finished. It's done. It's over. I've done everything I'm here to do. Jesus himself said, they can't take my life from me. I'm going to lay it down. Because unless I lay it down, they can't come to the Father. So he lays his life down. He dies on the cross. And as he's breathing his last, he says, it is finished. And I guarantee you the devil's ears is perked up. He's like, what wrong? He knew something just happened. And as we looked at last week, when he breathed his last, the, the veil of that temple was torn that separated the people from God. And now you and I can approach God because he's made a way for us to come to him. And he's faithful. He does everything he says he's going to do. If I told you 10 things that I was going to do, and I did all 10, would you begin to believe that I would do number 11? Yeah. What about if for thousands and thousands of years, I told you all that I was going to do, and I never failed one time to do it? Would you think I'd be faithful to do the next thing? Yeah. And that's our God. He is faithful. His love never fails. His strength endures. His love never fails. He does not run out. He never gets tired. He's faithful to do everything he's promised. And he'll never quit. He'll He'll never stop. He's faithful. Listen, I want to tell you three ways that I know that God is faithful. You can write these down if you want to. Listen, the first one is his past performance. I know God is faithful from his past performance. I've seen how he's worked in my life. Raise your hand if God's ever done anything in your life. Anything. Yeah, you've got breath in your body today. He's done something. He's been faithful. He's done everything. How about this? Did the sun come up this morning? Like we get happy if we go to the gym three times a week for a month. We're like, I've been three times a week for a whole month. God's like, I've been bringing the sun up every morning for eternity since we created it. That's awesome stuff. Listen, he's been doing it every morning. You you know, I guarantee you the what if, well, some of you probably have thought this, but most of us don't lay in bed at night wondering if the sun's coming up tomorrow. Right? We don't. Because God is faithful. The sun comes up every day. He even brought the sun up during the 80s. (laughs) If he was going to check out, that was the time to do it. I mean, parachute pants, mullets, all that. Man, he should have just checked out right there. He was faithful through the 80s. The sun came up every morning. Not even one day did he go, man, I can't even bear to look at them. What were they thinking? He didn't. He's faithful. Always faithful. His love endures forever. Strength never runs out. He's always there. So is he faithful? Yes, he's faithful. He's done everything. He's, he, he, he said he's going to do. So the answer to the third question. Is God faithful? So we know this. We know this. We know God is good. Yeah. We know God is sovereign. He's in control. We're not. And we know that God is faithful. He's going to do everything he's promised. And we can trust him in that. So the, the fourth question. I'm about to wind this thing up. Fourth question. Can you understand him? Yes, yes, yes. No. Do you want a God you can understand? No. I'm telling you, if this little brain of mine can understand him, he ain't much God. We cannot understand God. We can't fathom who he is. The Bible is very clear. We weren't there when he created everything. We don't know everything. We never will. He is God. And the problem for a lot of us is we won't let him be God. We want control. And when we begin to put ourselves in the place of supreme authority in our life, we basically give God the middle finger and tell him to take a hike. We're not in control. He is. We'll never understand God. Never. I couldn't understand calculus. How am I going to understand God? Never. We're not going to understand him. And we need to realize that. And and here's the awesome thing about the scripture. God says that my, my power, my strength, is made perfect in weakness. That doesn't even make sense, does it? Strength made perfect in weakness? That doesn't work anywhere else. Nobody puts their worst player at shortstop. They don't. They don't put their worst player at shortstop and go, our strength will be made perfect through his weakness. We're going to win the game because we put our weakest person at the most important position. We don't do that. We don't go and grab some guy on his third plate from the Ryan's Buffet to run one leg of the 4 by 100 relay. You don't do that. Because... In the world around us, it does not make sense that God or that that the weak thing would be better than the strong thing. But God says, listen, if you realize that the what if in your life can do like it did with Paul and drive you to your knees and it can begin to put you in dependence on me, then that what if that was a liability can actually become a strength in your life. See, one of my biggest insecurities, guys, is is it is this right here. Preaching. You can ask my wife, man. She is a saint. Like her crown, she's gonna be walking like this <laughs> from having to live with me. We go home on Sundays, and, and I'm just like, oh man, it was so bad. I just, don't know. I just kept preaching. It wasn't good enough, and nobody got saved, and I'm just whining. But you know what it does? It drives me to my knees. I can promise you this, that before a service, I'm not walking around here going, man, we're going to tear this up. I'm walking around here going, oh my gosh, my stomach hurts. My stomach, God, help my stomach. Anoint myself with oil. But it drives me to my knees. It drives me to my knees. I, I fall into dependence so that the thing of the what if that can make me insecure, that can make me in fear. And I was sitting right there every Sunday behind those speakers and I'm praying the whole time. You can't see me, but I'm going, oh God, please, please do something because I I can't do it, God. You please. And the very thing of the what if that makes me doubt and makes me fearful and starts churning in my stomach on Wednesday night is the very thing that drives me to my knees. And here's the thing that I've realized is that if I let it drive me to my knees, it becomes a strength and not a weakness. It becomes something that God can actually use rather than something that's going to hinder me from doing what God created me to do. And here's the awesome thing about it, guys. Listen, if if we'll surrender that, that it's not surrendering to the what if. Paul didn't surrender to the what if. He didn't say, well, God's not taking it away, so it must be his will. I'm just going to struggle through life. No, he said, I'm going to overcome this because God's grace is sufficient. I'm I'm going to overcome this because his grace is sufficient. He's good. He's sovereign and he's faithful. And he's called me to do something with my life. And I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to quit. It's not looking at it and going, well, God's will be done. You know, just make my life crap. No. It means even in the midst of the crap, God is still good. And we can still walk through life. You know, I was thinking about when Peter got out of the boat. I was thinking about this this morning. Peter gets out of the boat. And, and, and Jesus is out there and and Peter's in the boat. And he's like, Lord, you know, Peter was an idiot. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. He's going to slap me when I see him in heaven. But, but he was, he's like, Lord, if it's you call to me, tell me to come. And Jesus like, come on, you know, and then Peter gets out and he's walking on water. And you know, the funny thing about that moments before that, what were the apostles thinking? They were thinking what? We're about to die. And then Peter begins to walk on the very thing that he thought threatened his life. Is that not awesome? That when he put his eyes on Christ and he was obedient to follow the voice of Jesus, he stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the very thing that he thought was going to kill him. That is awesome. You know God came up with that because I'm not that smart but it's awesome that that he walked on the very thing that he thought he was going to kill him, was going to kill him. And so here's the thing for us, guys. Some of us are in places right now. Some of us are worrying about going into places. And the thing that I believe God's telling us today is if you'll put your eyes on me, you'll trust in me, you can walk on the thing that you think is going to bring you down. Because you've got a God who's good, who's sovereign, who's faithful, who we can't understand. And we begin to wonder... Where is God? We look to the cross. We understand He's good, He's sovereign, and He's faithful. And we realize He's good, He's sovereign, He's faithful. Listen to me. I want to read another scripture to you, real quick, and then we're going to wind this up. Isaiah 40, verse 28 is where we're going to start. We're going to read through verse 31. This is a word of the Lord coming through the prophet Isaiah. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no listen, no one can understand him. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. They walk and not be faint. What's he saying? He's saying, trust in me. You can't understand me, but you can trust me. You can't fathom who I am. You can't understand all of my ways. You're never going to know why some things happen. But but the thing that you do know is I'm good, I'm sovereign, and I'm faithful. Now, trust in me. The question that we should be asking is not, can I understand him? The question we should be asking is, will I trust him? And every day of our life that we get up and we put our feet to the floor, we need to ask ourselves, am I going to trust him today? And when we begin to doubt, we need to go back and remember God is good. God is sovereign and God is faithful. I know that in my heart and listen, I look around and I see things. Sometimes I go through things on my own. Listen, I wonder through tragedy, through different things. What, what, what the heck God? But then I look to the cross realize God is good. He's sovereign and he's faithful. And I hit my knees and I thank him. See, I know this, there are people in here today who are tired. It says even the youth grow weary. And there are probably college students here today and you're already tired and you're how am I going to make it through a semester? There's adults here today that you've been carrying a weight and a burden around for a long, long time. And you've taken the steering wheel away from God. And you're not letting him drive the ship. You're not letting him be the captain of the boat. You don't have to live like that. Listen, my wife's testimony is a perfect example. Am I telling you that today you can surrender it to Christ and it's going to go away forever and never? The devil's more, He's listen, he is stubborn. He is a stubborn enemy. That thing's going to come back tomorrow. But you know what? The Bible says that God, that Jesus hasn't changed. He hasn't changed since the beginning of time. He's not changing today and he's not changing tomorrow. And so tomorrow we surrender to Christ. You don't have to live any day other than today. Today's the day you, you live in. Don't let a what if tomorrow rob you of today. When you've got a God, he king over the what if you've got a God, he's good and in complete control. He's faithful. But this is what I want to ask you today. I, and I know this, I, listen, we get to this part of the service every week and I know this, but you know what, what we do is too important. I think we have, we have, we have minimized the importance of what happens on Sunday mornings and throughout the week when we share the gospel, we need to understand this is an important time. Because this is a time for people to make a decision that I am going to trust in Christ. I'm going to trust in the one who gave his life. Because here's the thing I know every person in here has sinned at least one time today. And those sins separate us from God. But in Christ, we're reconciled back to him.